it's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting, the fishing podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Tim is out in the woods hunting again. Uh, so what we did today was we recorded some additional questions last week. Um, and I'm just going to tag those on to the end. So the beginning will just be me. Um, and I have two fishing trips I'm going to talk about. Uh, first, I'll talk about the trip this weekend. Um, and it was the worst reef trip I've had in Miami for a while. Um, the conditions were perfect. No wind, the water was crystal clear, um, but we tried to do deep dropping. And one of the problems with deep dropping, so a couple of weeks ago when we were having a lot of success, um, there wasn't much current, but uh, the full moon is on the 28th. So as we get closer to the full moon, the currents get stronger and stronger. So I'd always heard that, but I, I didn't really understand how much of a difference the full moons make um, in the currents until I was out in American Samoa. And the, the cut that I had to get out of in my little kayak was night and day on a regular, you know, it's, it's basically half the month. So the week before the full moon, the week after the full moon is really when you get the strongest currents. Because when I was in American Samoa, getting in and out of that. It, it was a very narrow channel that opened up into a small bay and it was gnarly. So ever since then, you know, if I'm going to be on a little boat or doing something, I checked the currents or I checked the moon phase. So on Saturday, I checked the moon phase and I was like, okay, well, this is kind of five to six days away. It might not be too bad. It was, it was too bad. Um, you know, we were moving so fast. And a lot of those big structures on the bottom, um, there's just a lot of rocks. So if you fish some of the smaller rock piles, there's not as much to get hung on, but the bigger shipwrecks um, with the huge relief, you almost have to anchor. Cause if you drift those, you're just gonna get hung on the bottom. And that's what we did. I personally lost three uh, pounds of weight and that weight is, you know, five, six bucks a pound. So it's not cheap uh, when you do that. So we, we did probably an hour, hour and a half. And with the boat club, the Saturdays are only half days. So we really only had two hours, um, two and a half hours. Uh, so after we did that, uh, I wanted to try a new spot in 40 feet where the dive boats usually are. And, and again, the water was crystal clear. The currents were nice. Uh, we, we put down a chum bag. We saw a lot of chubs. Um, I got one keeper mangrove, probably 12, 13 inches, and I got one other good bite. Uh, so we decided that wasn't going. So we, we went to the, the spot we've been the past couple times um, inshore and it just wasn't, it wasn't doing it. Um, we ended up getting one dog snapper, but dog snappers have to be 12. So it seems like we've now caught five or six dog snappers at that spot. And every single one of them is 11 inches. So after we did that, um, we called it a day. You know, we still, we, we caught fish. We always catch fish, but it wasn't the, the ice box fill um, that I wanted. And I ended up giving the mangrove away to uh, one of the guys that, that came with me. So fast forward to this morning. Um, again, I've been hearing some reports in the Florida Keys that the bridges are really hot. Um, if you guys follow my fishing, you know, I tried it in December 
on a really rough day and we had a slow day. We caught one good mangrove and a bunch of little lanes and grunts. So that was about it. So I went down to the same bridge because I know there's fish there. There's tons of YouTube videos of people catching fish out there. Um, and this time uh, I, I had been seeing a lot of Spanish mackerel. So I wanted to try to go get pilchards. I tried a couple of my pilchard spots early in the morning before I left Miami, but it is every bit of two hours to get down there. And so I planned to stop at Bass Pro in Alamorada to pick up some extra tackle um, and it was closed. So they, they have their bait shop. So I was still able to get live bait but I couldn't get into the main store to get the extra hooks, line, and uh, lures, gotcha plugs that I was looking for. Because again, there was supposed to be yellow jacks, but there was also supposed to be a lot of Spanish mackerel. So when I first got there in the morning, I think it was a, a 10 o'clock high tide. I got to the bridge right at seven. Through, I fished without chum for a little while, got a couple decent bites, but not, it was mostly blue stripe grunts. Um, probably, probably caught five or six blue stripe grunts and a couple of yellow tails. So I, I dropped down the chum um, and there was, there was a lot of little yellow tails. So it was just one after another. And I did also, I bought a couple of pinfish, just catching a ton of little yellow tails. Nobody else I saw was catching anything. So the people on the little side pier next to me left and another group came. And not long after this, the second group pulled up a, uh, a Spanish mackerel pretty quickly. And I was like, all right, so uh, Spanish mackerel are here. And I, I had a small uh, vertical jig that I purchased. It came with a pack of gotcha plugs. So I bought a three pack of gotcha plugs. It came with two gotcha plugs and this small vertical jig. And it was called like the Spanish mackerel kit. So I instantly was getting hit on that. Um, I caught two leather jacks pretty quickly. Um, and then I got cut off. That's, that's the thing when you're fishing for Spanish mackerel, they have big teeth. So I lost that and they were just, you know, catching three or four. So I had one gotcha plug in my car. So I went back to my car, got the other gotcha plug. Um, and I was still trying to do two things at once. I was trying to catch snappers with one pole. I had a big pole out for muttons and I was trying to get these, these Spanish mackerel up. Um, so I was kind of bouncing back and forth. So these, these people next to me were just, were going off the handle. Spanish mackerel, mutton snappers. They caught one mutton snapper that was an inch too short. They actually had to, had to have me measure it for them. And it was, it was close. It was 18 and a half. It was very close. Um, I finally got on the Spanish mackerel. I caught one, went back to snapper fishing, caught another one, kind of taken for granted. After I caught the second one, I looked at my leader, thought to myself, this looks a little bit chafed and I was using a 30 pound fluorocarbon leader. This looks a little bit chafed. I probably should replace it. And I was like, nah, nah, who cares? So I walk over to the other side of these people, make a cast, first cast, Spanish mackerel, tail wrapped, gone. Um, it actually hit it above the leader. So I, I think it was actually my braid that broke. But um, after that, all I had left was a little diamond jig and I kept getting hit on the diamond jig but I could not catch another fish. And I, you know, I probably saw, I was watching these Spanish mackerel in the water, hitting it. And, you know, if I really wanted to catch them, what I probably should have done is just loaded up everything, gone back to worldwide, bought gotcha plugs and came back. But I was determined to get them on this diamond jig and I was getting just enough bites to keep me thinking that they were there. Um, but Ultimately, I didn't catch any more. I saw a bunch more. I think they probably, the people next to me probably caught 15 
Um, I pulled out a little black grouper, you know, probably 14 inches long on a pinfish on my, on my mutton setup. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of snappers down there right now or not snappers. There's a lot of uh, Spanish mackerel and uh, yeah, it, it was, it, it was bittersweet because I know that if I would have had a, that lure, if I would have had a gotcha plug, I would have caught a lot more, but I still got two mackerel. Um, and this Thursday, I'm supposed to go out again with the boat club, but the, the conditions look awful. Winds 20, 25 knots. So what I might do, and it looks a little nicer in the keys and we'll be on the bridge. So what I might try to do is just go back to the keys again on Thursday um, and just try to go for these mackerel because there, there was so many of them uh, today. And, you know, I went to Worldwide Sportsman or Bass Pro and I bought six of those lures. So if I do go again, I will be prepared this time um, to, to get on to those mackerel. And hopefully, because Spanish mackerel are a blast. And some of the ones this guy was catching were huge. They were like four pound. These were big, big Spanish mackerel. Um, but yeah, so uh, with those conditions, uh, hopefully it clears up by Sunday. Um, I might go out Sunday in Fort Lauderdale, but right now I'm leaning towards canceling Thursday. It's just the conditions are are not not really what I'm looking for. Um, and all right, the fish of the week. Just this is kind of one I just came up off my hip. That's the dog snapper because I've been catching a lot of those lately. So the dog snapper, Luke Janus Joku. Um, it's one that messes with a lot of people because it's kind of a weird fish. They look uh, similar to a mangrove, similar to a schoolmaster. It almost looks like it's halfway in between a mangrove and a schoolmaster. Like if, if they're on a darker bottom, they'll look more like a mangrove. If they're on a lighter bottom, they'll look more like a schoolmaster. Schoolmaster's fins are really yellow. Uh, mangrove snapper's fins are like gray to black. And uh, a dog has like fins that are anywhere from like orange to maroon. So that's one of the ways to know, but they can be very similar to the schoolmaster. The only way to know it's a dog rather than a schoolmaster for sure is the, the teardrop cheek. So they have a yellow triangle or a yellow, a white triangle on their cheek. And that's how you know you've caught a dog snapper because I honestly, I think I caught a couple before moving to Miami, but uh, I found a couple of places in Miami there. There's a lot of them, but you know, there's not nearly as many as there's mangrove or schoolmasters, but um, one Creek I used to fish was full of them, like full of them. Um, but again, I've never caught a keeper. Every single one I catch is 11, 11 inches. You know, th this Creek, there was tons of them. And because they're all like, you think it's bigger than a mangrove snapper because mangrove snappers only have to be 10. So you catch an 11, 11 and a half inch fish. You think you got a great fish, but dogs have to be 12. So, uh, you know, we've gotten quite a few the past couple weeks, um, but mostly, you know, 11, 12 inches, I mean, 11 to just short of 12 inches, which is still a fun fish, but it's obviously not a keeper, um, but dog snapper are great fish and, you know, they really do get big. I, I saw somebody on this Facebook group pull a huge one out somewhere, I think in Palm Beach County, 10, 15 pounds. So they, they do get very, very big. Um, but most of them are your typical snapper size. They're just more uh, or less common or more rare 
than the mangroves and then the schoolmasters. I would say mangroves are the most common, mangroves and yellowtails, and then schoolmasters would probably be next, and then dogs would probably be uh, next after that. All right, um, those are the main things I wanted to talk about. And uh, we'll just go into the questions that I recorded with Tim from last week. Remember to like and subscribe on um, YouTube. If you're on YouTube, you can always listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, remember to give us five stars, leave us a review, and uh, tell all your friends. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting more people. You know, I'm, I'm really excited since the last solo podcast I did where I talked about our numbers. You know, we're, we're building. We, we are, you know, we have a couple podcasts around 50 listens, and I read the median podcast is like 150. So that's obviously our goal. So hopefully we'll get there and, uh, you know, always you can leave me feedback. If you have any questions, fish facts TV, I actually just started an Instagram. So fish casting the podcast, uh, fish casting underscore fishing underscore podcast. So fish casting fishing podcast. So, uh, like, and subscribe on Instagram as well. And that's where I'll be like doing updates and stuff. So, uh, thanks and enjoy it. All right, Tim, uh, thank you for joining me just for the question this week. Uh, we've got a really good one um, from some of the Facebook groups that I just kind of go through. This is one that I, I, I kept seeing coming up. What is your favorite type of fishing line? Yeah, that is a good one. And I'll kind of do a, a two-parter here. Um, I know we're going to talk about leaders as well. So I'll just do both of the ones that uh, I'll cover them both here. Um, I, I like, you know, over encompassing everything is braid. I use, I use mostly braided line kind of by and large, um, for, for most aspects and the brand of braid I like to use right now is a, it's a nine strand braid. It's a Berkeley X nine. It's a, it's a really strong braid. It's got great abrasion resistance. It's very smooth. Um, I, it's kind of a jack of all trades. I can, cast to docks and I know I have confidence if a snook pulls me in there that because there's nine strands braided together you can ding a couple and it's not like the whole thing goes like with with a single core like monofilament if you get some really bad abrasion on there it'll just uh, um, disintegrate on you and break so I like this nine carrier braid um, Berkeley x9 not a sponsor um, and uh and for for leader, you know, we've talked about fluorocarbon versus monofilament. Um, I'm a fluorocarbon guy. Um, as far as like kind of my my um, I don't want to call it discount, but what I can buy in bulk and I can save a lot because I buy it, you know, a hundred yards at a time is uh, Berkeley Pro Spec. Um, it's 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 a brand of fluorocarbon, and and I find it's it's really strong. It's really clear. It it's easy to tie knots with, and, and great hold strength. Um, that's kind of like my, my go-to if I'm going to buy, you know, like I said, in, in bulk. Um, I also like Seeger fluorocarbon a lot. That's kind of uh, what I grew up using, but I, I've been transitioning to the Prospect more and more just because the affordability of it. So, you know, both are Berkeley products, um, but I, I, I really like them. Uh, how about you, Tanner? Yeah, you, you mentioned Seeger. Um, I definitely grew up using Seeger Leader. I have a spool of Seeger 30. Um, that I have right now. Um, and one issue I've been running into that 30 pound liter um, with the fluorocarbon is, 
it just gets, uh, I feel like it gets abrasion so easily and you almost have to change out all your leader, especially when I'm fishing these shallow coral reefs and I'm using a big chunk of leader for a mutton. Um, and I, I went through like three or four liters the other day uh, with that Seeger. Um, as far as line right now, I'm using Yozuri braid. Um, again, I'm a big braid guy as well. You know, it just has so much of a narrower di diameter. It sinks faster. And, and the stretch is what I really like it for. Um, you know, you get that mono, especially if you're fishing deep, it's much harder to feel those soft bites. But if you're using fluorocarbon, you can feel everything. Um, and this Yozuri stuff, I just got it on sale at Bass Pro Shops. And it's been great. Um, I, I got two spools. I have one on both of my pen 4500s. Um, I don't know the specific name of it. It's just like whatever Yozuri braided line is. Um, one of them is blue and one of them is yellow. I think I have 15 and 20 on each of my two reels. And I love it. Um, it's been very good. The, the one I just put on at the beginning of the pandemic and I fished, you know, hundreds of times since April and it's still, you know, it's starting to, I feel like maybe get to a point where I might should change it. But I mean, I've probably caught nearly a thousand fish on, this is my main reel. Um, and so I really like that. Uh, I grew up on green power pro but I do kind of like the brighter colors like that blue and that yellow, because as long as you're using a long fluorocarbon leader, you know, that green, that moss green, you know, when I was in high school fishing for bass, there were times when I would use no leader and just go uh, fluoro straight to hook, but it's just really a lazy move that, um, you know, maybe it doesn't make a huge difference, but I feel like it does cause you to miss fish every now and then. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Power Pro. That's when I first switched to braid. That's what I used the, the Moss Green Power Pro. You know, I grew up fishing Trilene, uh, uh, which was a, a monofilament, but then moved to Power Pro. And, and I've used everything under the sun from Ohiro to uh, Spider Wire. But, you know, it's really whatever you're comfortable with and whatever you can afford, you know. Uh, but I, I think braid is, is the way to go, kind of. By and large, you know, I, I think so at least. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for coming out. Remember, um, if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. And you can also jump over to iTunes or Spotify. Um, if you're on iTunes or Spotify, uh, give us five stars. Leave us a review. Uh, we thank everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you. This is pre-recorded. So if you're listening right now to this, I'm, I'm in a tree stand somewhere in Alabama. So wish me luck there. All right. Sounds good, Tim. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Tim.